From Leader in Me Studios, I'm Molly Garcia. This is The Empowering Teacher. We all get overwhelmed at times, don't we? The feeling of everything coming at us at once. Or maybe we've carried some big emotions from the day before entering into a new morning. As teachers, what do we do in those moments? Our students, they're like us. They need to learn effective coping skills, and they need a just right space and a place to work through it all. Today, Tony White, principal, and Ashley Tucker, paraprofessional from Quiver Park Elementary School in Missouri, are showing us how we can create a space of calm for our students as they work through those emotions so that they can embrace the potential and excitement that comes with empowered classroom learning. Tony and Ashley, welcome to the Empowering Teacher Podcast. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for being with us today. I would love for us to journey into our conversation with what you were noticing in your students as a result of the past couple of years. Like, what was that data telling you? So a few years back um, at our building, we were noticing that some of our students needed very specific and intentional teaching in how to be proactive with their emotions. They were um, very dysregulated um, and they needed to learn how to self-regulate when they got upset or frustrated and how to maintain that self-control. And what we found was that many of, uh, if not most of our radio calls from, for support with students from the teachers um, that were called for administrators to come help, they were really not related to discipline, but rather students who just needed that support due to being dysregulated and not knowing how to regulate. Um, the office and administrators received numerous calls per day several years ago from teachers who needed that assistance. Um, it's not that the teachers themselves were not capable or willing. They just have that time. They don't have the time in the immediate moment yeah. as they have a classroom full of other students um, that they are responsible for that time. So that is where we found that that need because uh, we just had such a huge, huge um, concern in that area. Yeah. And as a result of this awareness, Tony, what did you all put in place? So we we developed a core room, um, core standing for calm body and mind, ownership of actions, relationships, and engagement. Um, and so we put that space available for those students who were dysregulated. It started out that way for those students who were dysregulated to have a safe place to go in order to re- regulate um, and get regain control of their emotions and then ultimately get back into the classroom. I love that. And that's, I know you, you, you scratched the surface here. Talk to us a little bit more about what was the ultimate goal of the core room? So really the ultimate goal of the core room um, is now anyway, and, and started out then um, is to provide that additional support for those very few students who need intensive support beyond what we already provide in our tier one, tier two, and tier three uh, social emotional learning and teaching um, and those interventions. So these are the, it was designed and developed for those kids who needed the support beyond that. Um, and then the second part of that goal is the ultimate goal is to then when they, those needs are met to be a place of support for any student or adult who needs either intensive support or uh, more situational support due to a specific need. I love that for all students, for all adults, um, such a huge staples to our community and being able to provide that for everybody. So talk to us about how the students use the practices of the seven habits when they're in the core room. And I'm going to turn that over to Ashley, Ms. Tucker, if yeah. you can share that, please. Um, yes. Yeah, so in the core room, 
The students use the seven habits often. Each day we work on being proactive, such as learning those regulation skills that Mrs. White was mentioning and how to re regulate themselves in their classroom, which we find that very important. We want them to stay in their classroom as much as possible. So <clears throat> we want to teach them those skills that, that, way, that way they know. Um, I do have a student who I meet with more than once a day, probably, and language is one of his biggest areas of need. And we also, we're putting first things first. And if they come in here for a free break, they know that they have to have their work done first before they get to come in here for that free break. And by free break, I mean um, maybe doing a puzzle, just regulating their body and getting to choose what they do while they're in here. But they know they have to have that work done first. Or, uh, you know, one thing we started about six weeks ago I meet with a kindergarten group and they see me in the morning and then in the afternoon. Um, and we do different kinds of things. We work on habit six a lot, which is synergizing. We work on being a team um, and we have these whole punch cards and they fill it up. And as each person fills up their punch card, we practice praising the other students. We practice praising each other mm -hmm. and helping each other when we need to. Um, so I think we use the seven habits often in the courtroom. I love it. You can hear it just in the language that you're sharing with us. So walk us through um, how a student would find themselves in the space of the courtroom. So we are a very large building. We have about 630 students in our building, and we average under 5% of our entire student population that utilizes a courtroom three or more times in a year. Um, and the, the rest of the population, some of them don't even know the room exists. Many, many kids don't even know the room exists. But um, those 5% um, that use utilize it often uh, typically begin through an administrator or teacher referral or through our building intervention team, our SEL building intervention team. So the first way I mentioned um, that a student may make it to the core room and the most obvious one people think of when they learn about any kind of room that um, helps a student reset, that would be what we would call a reactive break. Um, that's when the student is dysregulated in some way and needs to go somewhere to regulate. Uh, so the first day, first year we opened the room, reactive breaks accounted for just over 70% over overall core room visits. So the next way and the, the, the one we want to gear towards more is the proactive break. And so that's a scheduled break based on the student need. Within one year of uh, introducing the core room, um, our breakdown of core room visits shifted from 70% of reactive breaks for dysregulated students to just 25% nice. um, yeah. being uh, for dysregulated students and which is, which was the ultimate end in mind there. Um, since then, and, and now we've averaging in the past couple of years that the reactive breaks only account for under 10% of our total visits. And that really, to me, is a clear testimony to the major shifts in our adult paradigms and, um, our, really our teachers. It is the effort of all of our teachers throughout the building on having that mindset to know it's available. The mindset they have within the classroom on a day to day is what makes this system run so well. Yeah. Um, and then for the other students, like when I mentioned five, about 5%, the rest of the population, um, we do use it for uh, that core room for situational pieces. So um, maybe a death in the family and someone needs a, a quiet space for the day or for a couple of hours or somebody maybe is having a difficulty with a substitute teacher and, and we recognize that and say, hey, we have a, a spot. Would you want to go there? Or maybe um, 
Ashley had mentioned um, to me that, you know, maybe it's just a student that has a stress from an upcoming test. So it is available to all, just the most use of it is out of um, fewer than most. Yeah. And now the courtroom is, it's school-wide. It's a school-wide space for all the students um, and adults. What would you recommend um, to a teacher where maybe that's not an option, but they really would like to create that core space within the classroom? I feel like there's a lot of power in that. And I think that's where the power really comes from because ideally wouldn't be a separate room. Um, We are very fortunate to have that. And we've made that a priority here in our building to have it as a separate room because of the many demands of the teachers. But having a space uh, within your classroom is much more powerful than having a space outside of your classroom because it really largely strengthens the relationships between the students and the teacher, the student that's maybe having a difficult moment or just needs that break, and the teacher themselves. And from student to student, we see them helping one another a lot. And so all of our teachers have some sort of space in the room and that they that they utilize. It's hard to know where to get started. When you see the need, you'll know how to kind of build around it. We talk a lot about with our teachers about when they have a core space in their room to practice how to use that space before it's ever needed um, with all practice it with all students. Uh Um, A big key for me is to not uh, change the purpose of that space. So it can't be punitive one day and then a place for relaxation and resetting the next because that can be very confusing for anyone, uh, particularly students that are needing additional support. Um, our teachers have a variety of choice op- options in that space um, and they get input and ownership from the students. And it may vary from year to year or even change throughout the year itself just due to those needs. But lastly, the if you're looking for space to use in your room for this purpose, it has to work for you as the adult because that's the only way. If, if it's not going to work yeah. for you as the adult, it's not going to transfer to the students. So um, I would maybe visit other classrooms that have established this um, or other buildings where that's in practice. But um, it, it definitely can transform your classroom. As I'm listening, Tony, the core room, the core room in the space, in the classroom or outside the classroom, it has Leader Me all over it. Can you share with our listeners um, how you take the Leader Me framework into the walls of a core room? That is interesting that you ask that because Mrs. Tucker, well, the Leader in Me framework really truly is interwoven into everything we do in our building. And we're five years into the Leader in Me process, but our teachers really truly believe in it, live it, model it, and our, as well as our students. Mrs. Tucker um, in the classroom, she really is the one who um, who makes that happen just very authentically. Leader in me obviously teaches that our paradigms, that is what motivates or powers our attitudes and our behaviors. And that concept itself is what um, Mrs. Tucker teaches her, our students in every interaction we have. Um, if that core room is really a place to teach students how to mold and shape their own paradigms, their own views um, in relation to how they view themselves or their abilities or difficulties they encounter, um, what is their paradigm when it comes to the school and friendships. And those are all pieces that Mrs. Yeah. Tucker is helping students learn how to shape. Oh my gosh. I love that. It is so inspiring to hear the work that you're doing when it starts with paradigms. I want to be real too with our listeners. Like I want them to hear what are some of those authentic barriers that your team faced as you were working through bringing this in for your students? Definitely the biggest challenges when we were starting this was that the majority of the visits um, to the room were reactive visits. We had a problem with dysregulation running kind of rampant through our building. And um, so 
the viewpoint or the paradigm that a teacher may look for um, is they see a student who's dysregulated and not able to uh, regain their control. And we're sending them to this new shiny place to reset. Um, and so that often would appear as though we would be rewarding poor behavior by giving that positive attention, giving them special treatment, things like that. And those are things we definitely heard. Um, and I think that part of the reason our numbers were so high on reactive breaks versus proactive breaks at the beginning is because some people held back because they didn't want to reward their student for mis quote misbehaving. Um, it, the, the paradigm shifted so quickly, but it, it, it was a huge barrier. Um, we talked about things that were in the courtroom, like puzzles that you would do with an adult or a sandbox with emotion, um, little rocks in there. Um, those were things that were viewed as toys um, instead of really just a tool um, that the, the tool that they truly are. And so that was the, definitely the largest barrier on that perception. And again, the adult paradigm of what that looks like. Oh my gosh, that is exactly where my mind is going to right now, Tony and Ashley, is what needed to shift in the adult paradigms to, to support this core room and being successful? The interesting thing is we always think of change starts with me um, as the adult paradigm that in, in most cases needs to be the one to shift or, or at least be there to start with. Um, our teachers at the time when we started the courtroom and still are amazing and capable and caring and want what's best. And they recognize that students have struggles. Um, and so it really wasn't a change of change, uh, a change shift of a change starts with me paradigm, but really more of shifting that power of that motive power of motivation. Uh, sorry, the paradigm of motivation in that we need to empower our students, even those students who are struggling the very most um, in leading their own learning. And so once our adult paradigms shifted to where they trust that those that given the right parameters, which in this case, oftentimes is that core room, then our students that need that most assistance and self-regulation are able to lead them themselves. We just are simply providing them the platform for, for them to be successful. I love that that structure and that system was really supporting the adult paradigm, which it sounds like once that was in place, it modeled the possibilities for your students. I love how that all came together. I have to ask, you know, as we're just kind of walking through the core room, what recommendations would you all give to our listeners right now, just around like a starting point? Because it sounds like there were lots of different layers that brought you to where you are today. But if they were thinking after listening, I just, what is the one thing that I can do as a starting point to move forward? What would you suggest? If I would say go for it, um, regardless, if you were thinking about it at all, um, if you, I feel like if, if you're an educator and you're finding yourself physically exhausted or, um, mentally drained um, because of this type of piece missing in your classroom or in your building. Um, I really say jump in and develop something, anything, whatever that may mean that, but the, it needs to include a consistent, calm and never threatening space, whatever they may look like, um, whether it's in your classroom, in a hallway, whatever that may be for, for your situation, designate one adult to kind of be a touch point for students. And maybe it can't be in that, that one adult designated all day, but Designate one adult, designate one adult um, to be a touch point for that student and then really build it from there. But if you can develop some sort of system that you're even, even focusing on one student or um, if you're the teacher or two students, if you're the teacher or five students, if you're the principal, um, if you can focus on that and kind of start small, but start, 
go ahead and start. Um, it really could be a real win-win. That's what we did. Um, we helped provide just a couple of students when we very first started with that concept before we developed the room itself. We just had a space. Mm-hmm. If we helped them by provided, we provided, um, consistency and support that they needed, then those couple of students helped us because we were literally building the plane while we were flying it. So they helped us work out the details of would and wouldn't work mainly for what will and won't work for the adults in the building, um, quite honestly. Uh, and so I say, go for it. You will not regret it without a doubt. I love that. It sounds, it's simple. It's a structure that we start out small to be able to go big. You can work out the journey through that. It's genius, Tony. Thank you to both of you. Thank you for shining the light on just the power of the seven habits and how they can live within a core room. Um, and particularly the core room at your school. Thank you for that. We're going to switch gears and we're going to jump into what we call our rapid fire questions. Do not overthink it. We're just going to have some fun, super quick responses. Are you you two game for this? Sure. <laughs> All sure. right. Okay. One thing that you are grateful for today. Uh, today, I am grateful for this opportunity to reflect um, alongside Mrs. Tucker on the core room um, and how, how far we've come with that effort. Ashley, how about you? How, what are you feeling grateful for today? Um, today, I am grateful for this opportunity as well and um, this wonderful place I get to call work each day. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> Got a big smile on my face. One quick fact that most people may not know about you. Um, I am really good at foosball. Nice. Um, one thing people may not know about me is I love to sing, but I have no skill in it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be quite a few of us, Ashley. I love that. <laughs> all right. Tony, one word your past teachers would use to describe you. Definitely quick start. Quick start. Um, mine would probably be um, calm demeanor. Calm demeanor. Yes. All right. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? Um, for me, I think it is to just always remember that your family um, and your health comes first. And so not only for yourself, but for everyone else and to never let that waver in your day-to-day work. Mm, powerful. Ashley? Um, mine would probably be, there is always something to celebrate. No, no matter how big or small. No matter how big or small. I love that. Take care of yourself. Thank you for that, Tony. And always an opportunity for celebration. Both of you, thank you for having some fun with us. Everyone will be right back with some more greatness in just a moment. Are you searching for meaningful and purposeful activities to connect your families to the leadership learning occurring in your schools? Well, look no further because The Leader in Me has developed quick and manageable activities that you can share through newsletters or at family event nights at your school. I'm Jenny Alderman, principal of The Leader in Me School in the Blue Springs School District located in Missouri. I have found by searching at home leadership learning on The Leader in Me website, I have the options to choose activities, literature, movies, social media challenges, or ideas to encourage parent leaders to participate in a quick but effective way. Parents can take pictures and send in those photos of the leadership opportunities they are promoting in their homes while supporting the habits we are teaching at school. What an easy way to display family involvement in your school and allow an opportunity for your students to feel connected to their families throughout the day. Check out at-home leadership learning on the leaderandme.com search engine to discover all the ways families can be involved in the learning process. Welcome to the Paradigm Pause. Today, let's consider the paradigm of motivation 
where we understand that our students have what they need to lead their learning, where we become a support system for them to build upon the belief that they are active participants in the learning and they're co-creators in the space where the learning takes place. The staff at Quiver Park Elementary School do just that. They create a space that provides all students with the structures and parameters that they need to work through big emotions. The adults trust that all of their students with a strong support system can practice their self-regulation skills, allowing them the space and time to lean into owning their own learning. It's the paradigm of motivation that empowers our students to own their next steps and for us to trust that they've got this. Welcome back, everyone. We always end our podcast episode with one doable action step or strategy that the empowering teacher can take right back to the classroom. So Tony and Ashley, what do you all feel is the one thing that our teachers can move forward with today that will have a big impact in their classrooms? I think one thing that a teacher could uh, take away today is to just think of that one student that you can put these systems put a system and structure in place with. And I would recommend one that you, that either is causing you the most difficulty in being able to reach them or the one that you know that you can reach and find small successes. But I I think find one and go for it. I love that. And Ashley? Um, I think it's important to find that why, like, why do we need this space? Why just that? Why, you know, let the teachers see it for themselves first and understand it. So it's not viewed just as a play area, but maybe it could be used as a play area to kind of, if that's what that student needs to kind of get their minds off of things or to regulate their emotions, so be it. But um, just so, so the teachers understand what the why is. I love that. So Tony, just taking in, let's start small so that we can really grow the possibilities and Ashley just being really clear on the why to both of you. Thank you for sharing your genius with us today. And of course, a big thank you to our listeners. Keep shining. You've got this.